0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to PE Talks Africa, a podcast by the African Private Equity and Venture Capital Association, otherwise known as AfCA. I'm your host, Persia Castellani, and I am here with Yosaki Kotsuji, also known as Yo, and he is currently the acting head of Africa Agribusiness at IFC. So we're here to discuss combating the effects of climate change including IFC's investment in Nigeria's Jubile Architect for food security and the use of innovation to combat climate change. Thank you so much, Yo, for joining the podcast. Could I ask you to tell us a little bit about yourself and your professional background?
1: Okay, thank you so much. Hi, so my name is Yo. So I head IFC's Africa agribusiness team and then, right, so we are um, like a 20-people team, and we manage about $800 million of uh, debt and equity investment portfolio. We have about 50 clients throughout the continent, and then we obviously want to do more uh, given the food uh, security crisis these days. Um, and about me, yes. Um, so I'm originally from Japan, uh, born and grew up, grew up on rural rice farms. So I appreciate what sort of efforts go into, uh, farming side. And I, I became a banker at uh, Goldman Sachs after college and did a bit of a, a Monday corporate financing and then moved to IFC 13 years ago, uh, and then I joined in Washington DC, but uh, right after one year, I moved to Senegal. So stayed there for four years, covering mainly West Africa market on agri side. And then eight years ago, I moved here in Nairobi, also covering Africa. So being in the continent for a while, so uh, nice to see you.
0: Yeah, great, great to have you here. So IFC recently approved a $35 million, uh, US dollar investment to Nigeria's Jubilee Agritech to strengthen food security, in which I believe you played a, a meaningful role. Why did IFC offer this financing package and what opportunities were identified in the company? Okay,
1: super. Um, So, right, so we committed... $35 million uh, loan package to Jubaidi, right? And then part of that was US dollar tranche, but part of, part of that was a uh, Naira local currency tranche, mainly to cover their working capital side. And uh, and the use of Proceed will be for their expansion. So they're already big in, mainly in Nigeria, right? And then they have a local, current, local production facility um, and then they have a distribution network in other countries like Ghana, Uganda, Tanzania, Kenya. And then they, you know, gradually want to build local production facilities in these countries. And the main use of our funds will be such expansion into you know, increasing local footprints in these countries. And uh, obviously for farmers, proper um, crop protection products, uh you know and also farming inputs are really critical and then Jubaili is one of the few players who have real local production facility inside africa and then they have about like um, 130 crop protection products and then also they do um insecticide herbicide fungicide and also they do animal feed and then vet drugs fertilizers, sprayers, and then seeds. So it's pretty much like all sort of inputs that are needed. And then, you know, they reach about like 50,000 farmers and then have uh, 40 warehouses and 100 retail depots. So their distribution footprint is pretty strong in addition to local production capacity. So obviously for, you know, food security and farmers income, we wanted Jubaili to, you know, expand and then deliver similar development impact in other countries that I mentioned. Thank you.
0: And um I think you might have already kind of touched on this within your answer, but what is Jubaili aiming to achieve with the financing?
1: Okay. So for financing, so they want to, you know, expand their production footprint in other countries than Nigeria. Um, and then so, and, and for us, like a uh, development impact was, is really key. And then there are a couple of pillars. So the first one is local production, as I mentioned. So for, you know, for local distribu you know um distributors you know many of them are smes right and they want to have a just in time supply which is important because many of them don't have a working capital to import these things from overseas and then pay things twice uh, in, in advance etc and then also if you do local production you know formulation could suit local car- local market needs and circumstances and then that would reduce, you know, product, other, other, other like expiry risk. So you, you have a better shelf life on the product. And then also, um, on FX side, you know, there, there could be some local component where you could source locally. So that will, you know, reduce that foreign exchange need for overall economy. So that, that's first aspect on local production. And the second aspect is really the farmer reach and then training. And um what's really impressive about Jubailis in 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 their distribution depots and then, you know, their their distribution hubs, they they're agronomists or animal feed nutritionists or vets stations there and then they're closer to the farmers and then they deliver uh training. To these farmers, which is quite impactful. So, safe use of crop protection products, or you know, yield improvement, or they provide lots of advice, very valuable. And then, building on that, um, IFC, in addition to investment, we're providing advisory services. So, we have something called Ag- AgriBusiness Business Leadership Program, and then they, they, this is you know, to improve business management skills on you know, Jibadi's retail. Agents, um, so that will strengthen their, you know, retailers' capability. And then we're trying to reach about 200 input retailers um, in the countries I I mentioned. And then the third aspect is job creation. And then so our expectation is the investment will um, create about 1,600 jobs. And then, you know, 7,500, indirect jobs and then reach more than uh, 7,000 new distributors and retailers on uh, these uh, SMEs, right? And then uh, th- these are across four countries I mentioned. Um, so, so that's sort of like a job creation impact is a third pillar. And then, um, lastly, fourth point is Jubaidi also sells product like a drip irrigation kit and then drought and disease resistant seeds. And uh, as you know, climate change is really kicking in and these products will make, only make fa- farmers more resilient. So for us, we thought it's important. Thank you.
0: Thank you. So kind of picking up on climate change there, would you say climate change is a major driver of agricultural shifts in Africa at the moment?
1: Yeah, ab- absolutely. It's one of the critical driver. So um, flood, drought, and then rising temperatures, you know, all impact crop yields and then, um, you know, supply and then food security. So this is really critical issue that all stakeholders have to tackle.
0: And so on a continental level, what would you say are the two key impacts that climate change are having on agriculture?
1: okay so one is lower production or lower yield right so um, increasing temperature weather variability you know and that could shift agroecosystem boundaries and there could be like invasive crops and pests and uh, more extreme extreme weather events all, all, of, all of that kick into productivity and yield right and eventually to the farmer income that's number one and then number two is volatility of earnings. So you know, climate could be more you know ch- changed dynamically, and then that you know um, that 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 uncertainty itself will affect the farmer negatively. So that's the second point. And then the sorry, there the are third point. So so actually rising input prices. So and um, th- this will affect farmers as well right r- rising energy costs for example i mean agri is basically logistics business we have to bring in inputs and evacuate crops so energy cost matters and en- energy costs also you know link into f- fertilizer prices or pesticide prices and some of them are actually chemical based right so that will affect you know food you know cost of production farmers you know shrinked margin or increase in food prices so that that's also uh, the, the, the another linkage. Thank you.
0: Thank you. Yeah. And what predictions have been uh, made on the impact of climate change on Africa agriculture systems and food security for twenty thirty or even even by twenty thirty?
1: Okay. Right. So there are various type of models. And estimates could vary depending on who do that, but, but most of the, most of the global climate models project pretty severe and adverse consequences, right? For example, one model mentions that yield decreases, uh, more than 7% are likely by 2013 for, sorry, 2030 in Africa's Sahelian region. So it's pretty, CBO, um, if you think about it, and I also mentioned about the volatility, and then some model predicts that as well, right? So, for example, uh, Ethiopian coffee producers, um, the chance so they might have a fat, fat tail on this bell curve. So, on um, the chance of uh, having 25% lesser crop than normal year, so the model shows currently it's like about three percent. But with climate change by 2030, that could, this could climb up to 4%. And yeah, it's only one percentage point, but significant if you think about if you're on the real farm, it's really damaging. So
0: yeah, thanks. How important is innovation in combating the effects of climate change?
1: Okay, absolutely. So it's very important because we have to think how we can do more. With less inputs, right? Input means like water or seed or fertilizer or, you know, and then result in better yield despite like a tougher external climate. So first things, first, first thing could be ag tech, right? Agri tech solutions where, you know, using smartphone or digital solution farmers can have a more access to knowledge or remote diagnostics when, you know, crop disease or animal disease happen. Um, or things like a solar powered irrigation kit, I take that as a, also, um, you know, ag part of ag And, and actually, lots, you know, research um, assumes that penetration could be pretty significant in Africa in coming years. And then of course, that will, you know, uh, improve irrigation access. So productivity shall increase. And, uh, and also, in addition to really techy things, we I really think we have to really look seriously on what existing technology we have. For example, uh, for example, conservation agriculture. So you know, like a zero till or a limited till. So we minimize soil disturbance. Um, and then, so if you don't till, basically that will harness a micro ecosystem. Micro, yeah microecosystem inside the soil, and then you can like uh, uh put like a mounting on top of the soil. And then all, all these will actually improve soil's water carrying capacity and the nutrients. So even under tougher system, you know, farmers could still produce, you know, something right? So that improve re- resilience. And also things like uh intercropping and then conservation agriculture or even mixed, yeah, mixed cropping, um, particularly with like a nitrogen fixing crops and soil. Um, nutrition will improve and then, inter, you know, um, rot- crop rotation will re- um, re- reduce, you know, disease risk and so forth. So that will contribute, that will really contribute to doing more with less. And then, um, yeah, and then also for climate, um, you know, reducing, re- reducing food loss is also another important pillar because it's a pretty big component of, you know, greenhouse gas emission. About six to eight percent of human caused GHG emission is actually due to the food wastage. So if we could harness more, um, you know, uh, more cold chain or proper ag-, ag practices so that shelf life could be extended. Well, for example, we invested into a company called Apil, and then this, it, they produce natural, nature-based material, uh, some sort of coating for veggies and fruits that will extend, um, their, their shelf life. So they, they'll, they, they kind of seal the moisture and then keeps the oxygen out if you coat that special product. So, so, so these solutions will all, you know, kick, if they all kick in nicely, perhaps we can uh, move the needle. Um, I I hope that gives you some idea, thanks.
0: Yeah, and I was gonna say thank you, it was a very holistic answer um, and you made some very interesting points. I just wanted to ask one final question about, I guess, a very relevant uh, topic at this time. Have you seen any ripple effect on food security in Africa as a result of the Ukraine-Russia war?
1: Yes, absolutely. So many places, most of the places we go, basically like a food prices for normal people are essentially doubling compared to last year, and this is really tough for the people. And then during the COVID, and then as the war happened, we learned that we just cannot rely fully on global supply chain working smoothly as before, right? So. Really beefing up local production inside Africa is very important. Um, so um, I see. So our board recently approved a uh, six billion U.S. dollar uh, global food security platform as an overarching umbrella to support private sector intervention to you know tackle this food crisis. So we will continue to do more under this umbrella. And IFC has pretty clear game plan how we could tackle. So, you know, so maybe one pillar is corporate or project financing to food agri companies. And then through our advisory services, technical assistance, we create stronger pharma ecosystem around these client companies, right? So for example, we invested the um, equity in one of Ethiopia's molting plant. And then obviously they buy a lot of barley from surrounding farmers. And actually our advisory services went in and worked with about 38,000 smallholder farmers um, in, in that ecosystem. And we helped, so we provided training and then also better access to better seeds and that resulted in doubling the yield, the barley yield for these farmers. And eventually we managed to kind of import substitute about $46 million US dollar um worth of barley. So it's like 89,000 metric ton, but uh, it's pretty significant amount. And if you think about it, that delta will go into farmer's pocket. Right. So that's how we could really strengthen the ecosystem around our. Client, investee client, and then another pillar is, um, you know, working with commercial banks or other financial institutions to 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 finance smallholder farmers or medium medium scale farmers. So we're like a wholesale bank. So we for the, this type of retail banking solution, we partner with banks inside Africa, um, and one example is. KCB, uh, one of the largest banks in Kenya, and then uh, our industry client Twiga Food and IFC, we are partnering to uh, support medium scale farmers who are supplying to Twiga Foods. So th- these are like vegetable and then fruits farmers. And then of course, supporting small holders are important, but we we realized that, you know, we have to continue to harness emerging medium scale, meaning like, uh, you know, maybe three, more than three hectare, four hectare, five hectare that or to like something like a 20, 30 hectare, right? That That's sort of like a emerging commercial irrigated farmers. So basically, the banking institutions are financing these farmers and back of that, we are providing a partial risk sharing facility. And then packaged with that, um, we we hook the farmer up to agtech solutions, so you know they have a better access to knowledge or pricing information, and then also uh, you know technical assistance on better farm farming practices like uh, you know limited till or zero till I mentioned, or how to manage crop, how how to manage disease, or how to you know work through the crop rotation, etc. So we're packaging lots of services and value add to the farmers in that ecosystem and also the beauty is so you know twiga food is there so they are basically off-taker providing markets to these farmers that are that that got financing so really the loop is closed like that so we intend to replicate uh this type of farmer financing program uh in various places throughout Africa and then probably the last pillar is um, fertilizer and agro input uh, manufacturer financing. So actually, Jubairi is one great example, but we are also working with OCP who is Pan-African Fertilizer Company out of Morocco, or K plus S, uh, another big fertilizer group, out of global group, out of Germany, and they're active in Uganda and East Africa. So we have uh, lots of good partners and we want to continue to support their activities oh and then also very lastly you know i mentioned about like a package of investment plus our advisory but we have uh, another pillar of, pillar of service called upstream engagement and then this is like early stage project development because in africa lots of new new, new ideas have to continue to happen but really the key is implementation and execution so for example, like in West Africa, um, we are trying to promote and commercialize alternative crop, like a traditional crop like fonio. So fonio is like a, where West African Sahel farmers has been growing for thousands of years. And it's a bit like a super crop like teff. And then, you know, we believe it's, it's a bit more resilient and suitable for local climate. And if it's such a nutritious, nutritious, maybe we could harness more production and then linking the farmer to off taker, processor, et cetera. So we are working on sector study, et cetera, to really develop this cluster. Um, or in one country, you know, uh, there is a need to uh, build more local onion production for seasoning production eventually. And then so large scale farming is fairly, you know, rare in that country, so we're helping and one of promoters to, uh, do feasibility study and then some pilots. And also we are working, for example, like a insect based animal protein sector study. So, you know, as players come, come up, I mean, this is, this might open up another whole source of, uh, you know, protein for animal feed and that will obviously contribute to human nutrition. So, you know, so these early stage Uh, project development we can also work on so perhaps you can have some idea that we're trying to tackle the issue from various angles and using various tools, thank you
0: yeah it sounds like you have a lot of uh, very exciting projects coming up so it it will definitely be a space to watch and I'm looking forward to um, hearing what, what you and IFC do next but thank you again Yo for joining us it's been great talking with you
1: Okay, thank you very much, Persia.
0: And uh, thank you to our audience for listening. If you would like to learn more about IFC, you can head over to the website, which is www.ifc.org. And if you enjoyed listening to the PE Talks Africa podcast, be sure to follow us and watch out for the next episode. I hope to see you back here very soon.